How is everybody? Probably, if you weren't doing great, you probably wouldn't shout out, lousy, <clears throat> or terrible, probably not. I love God. I love the Lord. He saved me. And in this journey, I have had such a privilege to get to know so many people, so many of God's people over the years here at Hill City Church, formerly ACA. My wife and I, we were uh, only half a year married, uh, and we came here in April of 1985, and uh, these people loved us. So thank you. You said, we love you, and I love you, you said, and we love you, and are so proud to be part of this family um, and who these people are. It's a thrill. It's a thrill. You know, when I heard God's call upon my life, I was a young man working on a dairy farm, and uh, I believed what God said, and I've had the privilege of pastoring um, over these years, and I'm not milking cows anymore, evidently. Um, but I'm caring for God's sheep and, and working together with our elders to care for the flock of God and learn how to do that and keep learning how to do that in these unique times that we live in and uh, God helping us to navigate and to preach the gospel faithfully and disciple people and raise people up and do the work of ministry together with you. And... Um, you're a special people. Oh, I have to be careful where I walk now because we videotape inside. And welcome to all those that uh, are joining us online as well. You're a special people. You heard it last week. Mark said it. He says, you're chosen by God. He called you out of darkness into his light that you may proclaim the goodness of God here on this earth in this lifetime that we have. And it's a, it's, it's a, life is short. Life is short. Um, we have people that we love that's, that have lost loved ones and some that are losing loved ones. And that's, life and death are very much a real part of being here. Uh, was it uh, Linus who said to Charlie Brown, he says, he says, you know, every, every person dies, but does every person live? You know, let's live. Let's live for God. Let's live with all that with this, that is within us to the glory of God. I, I want to um, talk this morning uh, from the book of Acts. We're in a series called Future Church. So when I say future church, ecclesia, future church, okay, the called out ones, uh, that's on you. So we're studying about the early church, but I'm making comments today about the future church and who she is. She's you. That's who she is. She's you, a very special bride with a very special purpose in God to accomplish in the earth in these days. So if, if you're living and breathing and you're here and you're on this planet today and you love God, God has a call upon your life 
in him to be on mission in Christ to make a difference, to preach the gospel and share Jesus with people and make that difference, that, that glorious, glorious gospel that saved you. We get to be carriers and bearers of this. As we sing, good, good father, the reason we're able to say good, good father is because, man, he's a good, good father. We know that personally. I know that personally. He's so eternally, forever, daily good in my life. I have no complaints, even on the day I think I should be complaining. None, none whatsoever. If I don't feel good one day, he's still good. I can still say, thank you, God. You're good. You're good. We got people all over the world and in places and Christians are being martyred for their faith and people that are suffering. Friends that are going through terrible things. I was talking to a friend on the phone this week up in trail who had a stroke. And he's having a hard time. What use am I? Guess what he's doing? He's talking to the lady in the bed across the room and sharing the love of God, taking time. This lady is, 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 has lost a son and lost a husband, and now they're going to amputate, do an amputation. She's um, diabetic. And this brother, who's had the stroke, has come alongside is loving her, and she's gained hope. Gained hope. I want to read from you. Read from you. It's okay. I haven't preached for a while. I'll I'll work this out as we go. Um, The sermon today is, is called Off the Chain. I'll talk a little bit about what that means. But Paul talked about that in 2 Timothy 2, verse 8 to 9. I wanted to start with this verse before I jump into the book of Acts as our main scripture today. He's saying this to you and to me. Always remember that Jesus Christ, listen to every word. Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal. Because I am preaching this good news. But remember, Jesus, a descendant, track the line, real man, real God man, God's son, it's all there in the history, was raised from the dead. Grave couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him. And and so Paul says, this good news I preach, and because I preach this good news, I'm suffering and have been chained like a criminal. Look at the next part. He's chained, but he says, but the word of God cannot be chained. Can't be bound, imprisoned. The word of God cannot be restricted from its purpose. You see, even when chained up in prison, Paul's preaching was off the chain. 
He was on the chain, but he was really off the chain, and it didn't really matter the fact that he was in bondage in a room being held back. You see, because God's word can't be chained. Human beings can be chained up physically, but even when they're chained up physically doesn't mean they're necessarily chained up internally, emotionally, mentally, you know, but physically, possibly. But God's word in them isn't changed. Jesus isn't chained. He was raised from the dead. Death chains and grave chains couldn't hold him back. The gospel, what you go tell about Jesus, isn't chained. He's the word of God. Jesus is the one you've placed your faith in. Him who died on the cross but resurrected from the grave. He defeated sin and death for you and I. The gospel's not chained. The church, let's... Let's, we're talking about the future church. We're talking about you now. The church, Jesus' bride, his earthly bride is off the chain. You are the church and the word of God that saved you is not bound and you are not bound. You are not chained and the same word of God that brought you freedom lives within you to bring freedom and continue to bring freedom to you so that you're doing the will and the word of God. Do you know, well, many of you heard the saying off the chain before, and it's, uh, it's new language for sure of our day. You know, off the chain, it's actually old new language. But anyways, because it's been going around for a while, everything changed. But it means ridiculously good, unexpectedly wild, and exceptionally free. Is that you? You bet it is. It is for freedom. He has set you free. You see, the saying, it originated from something kind of horrific, a few horrific things. The saying actually was from quite some time back, and it was used at the onset of something that that I don't agree with, uh, but a dog fight. And when dogs are let off the chain and the event begins, they used to gamble and dogs would fight and some dogs, it's a terrible thing. But, but, but off the chain, we're talking about a, a ferocious, tenacious, not give up, but press in because I've won already kind of attitude because Jesus defeated death at Calvary and he defeated sin. I will live in sin no longer. I will repent of sin. I'll walk in holiness. If I sin, I'll repent and I'll continue to walk in and learn to walk in holiness because of what Jesus has done. I am, I am, I am um, enforcing the victory that I have in Jesus by my obedience. It's also a slave labor turn, another horrific thing. It means, it, it was used back then meaning free from forced work. In reference to slave labor, workers were chained to works where the fear of death or abuse literally had control of them. But my Bible says to you and I, and it's why you're, you and I are off the chain, because it says in Ephesians 2, 8 to 9, for it is by grace you've been saved 
through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that any one of us could boast to say, yeah, I did it. I accomplished this. No, Jesus did for me on the cross of Calvary. Somebody put their hands together because you are off the chain because of what Jesus has done, and his word will not, cannot, is not chained. Well, I'll clarify the cannot as we move along here, but the early church is off the chain, and why would we, the, the future church, settle for anything less than being off the chain? We aren't suffocated, we're not locked up, we're not held back unless we choose to be silent and apathetic, and that's a choice. That's a choice, and I get lulling a baby to sleep. I get the ways of the enemy of our soul that wants to lull us to sleep, wants us to be confident in ourselves, wants, to have, wants us to believe in our self-sufficiency and look what we've done or look who we are as a nation and what we have it made. Listen, 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 listen. Unless we humble ourselves and literally are surrendered into the power of God, we will be lulled to sleep and not be the believing people that are actually off the chain, that are like off the chain. You want to tangle with me? I'm not talking about being a jerk. I'm not talking about being aggressive and obstinate and arrogant and stubborn. I'm talking about a stubbornness of faith, a perseverance of faith. I'm not getting knocked off it. I'm staying on my horse, and I'm riding to town, and I'm taking the castle. Somebody here relate? Yes, if you think today is a bit of a pep top, I guess it is. Take it that way, sure. You know, we all need encouragement every day, your pastor included. Oh, my goodness. We need to encourage one another. Today, when we, as this service ends, continue the service, be in service to one another. Look at the person you know when you meet and talk. Let them talk. Do you know what I love about you? Come on, come on. This is, this is the gold of hope that comes from within us, pointing out the God parts in people, helping them along. Okay, I'm getting off my nose. Point number one, as we go into the book of Acts, we're gonna chart, start in the book of Acts, we're gonna start in chapter 11, round verse 19. We're gonna end in uh, chapter 12, verse 25. And Peter, at the end, you're going to find, is off the chain. Angel, get up. Chains fall off. Woo! Come on. I believe the whole Bible. Yeah, I need you to, too. Don't, don't just believe part of it. Be, believe the whole Bible. I'm going to pray right now. Father, we believe the whole Bible. Help us to be a believing people, a believing nation, off the chain, living as a future church on mission. Open our eyes to see, our heart to receive what you have for us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Point number one, future church is scattered into purpose. Pastor Brian nailed it, preached on that. It says in Acts 11, verse 19 to 24, it says, so then those who were scattered because of the persecution, scattered because of the persecution, that occurred in connection with Stephen, made their way into Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, speaking the word of God to no one except the Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks as well, preaching the good news, this unchained gospel that 
Jesus defeated death in the grave, preaching the good news of the Lord Jesus. And, and this is underlined it, if we're preaching the gospel, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. You have to believe before, you know, you have to believe it. They turned to the Lord. Do you want, like, first of all, is God's hand with you? You have to believe that. Like, it is or it isn't. If you're one of his kids, like, I have kids, man, you know, the hand of dad is with his kids. In fact, I got a few things I got to do for them. I love to do for them. The hand of the Lord is for you, not against you. Hey, he's against sin in your life, but he's not against you. He loves you. Okay. So when they preach the gospel, it says that the hand of the Lord was with them. And, and it made a difference. Lots of people believed. In verse 22, it says, the news about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And there's a lot of talk about this. Wow. Look what God is doing in lives of people. And they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. When they arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with, the re with a resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. Uh, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and considerable numbers were added to the Lord. And you see this faithfulness to preach the gospel in, in Antioch. It was the first place that they called them Christians. However, it is understood that even that was a term that was used toward them to put them down like, oh, Christians, you're one of those. So it was a bit of a derogatory term, but I mean, they truly were Christ followers. But it, they were labeled, you're labeled. As Mark said, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. God lives in you when you were born again. You're one of his. Okay, and you have a call in your life and the hand of the Lord was with them and, and they were scattered on purpose seems better than scattered by division, I think. A lot of things that happen that scatter people is, is actually not so bad. I mean, scattering through division and being divisive, that's not good, that's not healthy. Okay, through hurt and stuff like that. God forbid we take, have a short inventory on things like that. But we make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. As far as it has to do with me, right? As far as it has to do with you. But then there's this scattering and the gospel starts going to all these places farther away, 50 miles away, 100 miles away, 150 miles away. And they started infiltrating the surrounding area with the gospel. And, and they're normal in their life as they were scattered, normal was shattered. As they were scattered, normal was shattered. Because everything they were familiar with all of a sudden changed, and they had to move. They had to get going because there was persecution. They were aware. You'll hear more of it as we go in on today. We can't take for granted, okay, what we experience in life today or some of the comforts that we enjoy Comfort gets shattered, results in shattering. But comfort chains us. So it's not such a bad thing because the more comfortable and familiar are with comfort, man, I don't know about you, but my humanity embraces comfort and holds on to it because I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> we love comfort. Those chairs are way more comfortable than those, those hard black ones that we were sitting on when we were in groups of 50. 
Groups of 50 was, wasn't as nice as this and every, everybody here. Lots of comforts chain us, hold us back, and cause us to be discouraged. I can't have this or this isn't the way it used to be. This is a bummer. I hate it. It's like, check our attitude up here. It, 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 it becomes about me sometimes, and then I'm not actually being scattered to do the work of God and being on mission, the greatest mission on the planet of the earth, and this is why God cooperates with healthy scattering. Kind of like he sees us, he sees us like seed. Isn't that cool? Here we're all in the palm of God's hand. If we don't crawl out, we're in the palm of God's, no, 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 I see where you're going. No, and we're in the palm of God's hand. He's whoosh, whoosh. Seed, 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 seed. And he seeds us. We're good seed. Good fruit, good seed. To produce some more great fruit. Trees, fruit, lives changed. So it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. The overcoming church is not chained to comfort. So think about things that, that you like, I just can't live without that, or I don't like that this is the way it is now. Just look inside yourself. Make a decision. Say, wait a minute, is that what's most important? I mean, we, we all have, like, life... When someone's going through something very difficult and painful, or loved one perhaps is dying or has just passed, you know very well that our reality goes, whoop, what's most important in life? People are. People. Like, maybe we get convinced of that in those moments, that people are more important. Maybe all of a sudden our eyes are open to what's most important. And then we, we, go and, we go and take care of some business. We go and have that chat with that person that we know isn't happy with us or doesn't like us. And we seek more of a reconciliation than the need to have to be right because people are more important. These are the things we learn. Can somebody say amen? It's very quiet in here. I know I'm talking soft too. Point number two is this. Future church is prophetically directed. Future church is prophetically directed. The early church was prophetically directed. Watch this. Acts eleven twenty-seven to 30, a few verses here. It says, now at this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and indicated by the spirit that there would definitely be a severe famine all over the world. And this took place in the reign of Claudius. And to the extent that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brothers and sisters living in Judea. And they did this, sending it with Barnabas and Saul to the elders. So here we read in Ephesians 4.11 that Christ came and gave gifts to many. He said, I called some to be apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. And there was prophets in that mix. We see this prophetic direction about something pretty radical that was happening in their day. There was, there was a famine coming. And so God, by his spirit, speaks through Agabus to the church. And it obviously was heard, tested, listened to. They knew Agabus. They knew you know, like this isn't just some fly-by-night, blow-in, blow-out kind of a guy. And he has this word. 
And he directs the church and they begin to make provision. You see, what happens is God does speak to the church prophetically because God is a spirit. And God comes and he speaks through spiritual people who are gifted spiritually and or have gifts, all the variety of gifts, not one better than the other. This is one of them that's all of a sudden identified right in the middle of here. And you say to me, okay, Mitch, so prophets are for today. Yeah, 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 yeah. I heard it all. And don't get me started because, you know, I heard a lot of things, you know, during, you know, political things that were going on in different countries. And I heard a lot of hogwash and I heard a lot of things that were said that didn't come true. And where were the prophets that were going to tell us that we were going to go through this time called C-O-V-I-D? Where were they? Well, some of them, some of them actually spoke about it 10 and 20 years ago. And different ones, David Wilkerson was one prophesied about this interesting time. And uh, couldn't, didn't really need to store up food, did we? We weren't going through a famine. We we're going through something else. Something else the Bible prophesies already about pestilence and disease and different things. And uh, here we are. Here we are. We don't have to store up food. I mean, we had to hide a bunch of toilet in our toilet paper in our house. I get that, but no, I'm just kidding. But that was to make provision for neighbors who maybe ran out. So there's a place for prophets today. There's a place for prophecy today. There's a test and there's a response to a tested prophet's word by local elders. Okay? Bible says don't despise prophecy. It says test everything and hold on to what is good. Okay? And you can trust the elders of your church that if there's a prophecy that comes through Christendom from a proven prophet, listen, it'll be tested by your local pastor. That's why it's important to be in a local church. That's why it's important to be okay with being submitted to local elders who are accountable to God to answer for the people that they care for and just say, this was said, we know this was said, but listen, here's God helping us. We're in prayer about this. You know, this is what we believe we're to do, okay? And we're to test everything and hold on to what's good, okay? So there's a place for it today, and God uses it. God knows everything. He's going to let us know what we need to know. So we should be praying for prophets. We should be praying for clear, prophetic words, okay? Yes, the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians 14 to desire personally, because it says to, you know, it's, it's 1 Corinthians 12, it says to each one he's given a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And, and prophecy is one of these nine supernatural gifts that he gives. So it says, yeah, desire to prophesy, to edify the body. So that's prophecy, okay? But then there's also the prophet or the office of a prophet who's gifted by God in a more corporate national level to bring words to the body of Christ. We should be sense of that. We should be praying for them that it's clear. It should be praying for our, you know what? Your, your leaders, your leaders need you continuously praying for us. Think about it. Think about it. If you're a dad and you're a leader in your home, do you need prayer to lead? Do you want prayer to lead? To lead well? Do you have it all together? Do you know everything? No, no, no. God knows everything. Same with, same with myself and our elders. Same thing. 
You praying for us helps us know the will of God, helps us navigate and hear God. You, and then as, because you're praying for us and then we hear God, you're not so like bent out of shape or kind of worried if we say, the, the Lord is saying to this. Ah, well, you know, I'm not really kind of interested in that. I think I'm going to go over here and do that. Well, that's, that's fine, but rather you kind of stay. We believe we've heard God and, you know, we'll answer for it anyway, so it's all good, you know. God's for us, not against us. Hey, come on. There's a balance in all this, okay? God knows everything. He'll let us know what we need to know. So pray for clear, prophetic words from the Lord's prophets. Why? Why, you say? Well, I go back to what we read in the story so that we can be on task and on mission. Notice they did something with this. They heard it. Notice it. It's like you're not reading about how it threw them into fear, in turmoil. No. They're like, okay, well, got a famine coming. COVID's coming. All right, let's buckle down. Let's get ready. Let's not get shaken up and, and afraid. Clear prophetic word can do that. Here's what's happening. Let's make provision. Let's get ready. I don't know about if you know this, but your church, you, you as a church, are expressing, it's now a, a minimum, of, it's the minimum because it's one part of this, 54 service hours in one week just in distributing and feeding people within our community through the food that God has actually entrusted to us to distribute. Every week this is going on. And that doesn't include the backpack ministry and that doesn't include our, our food bank. So, so like there's all kinds of neat provisions when you're just, just do it. You know, years ago, God impressed on us. Start a food bank. Sowing food for years. Guess what God does? He entrusts us with food. Because you gave, you bought food, you distributed food, you kept doing that. God says, they're faithful with food. Let's give them food to give away. You should see the food we're getting. Meat and vegetables and breads and amazing stuff. If you need something, let us know. Okay, we get it. Man, does it ever offset the budget these days when you have food? Okay, so why? Why prophets for today? Why clear messages? Also to be on task, to be effect an effective witness, not fearful, okay? But to get ready and take care of things that are coming up. It's very important. Point number three, are you okay? Are you good? All right, I'm gonna take a drink of water here. Number three, if you're taking notes, future church fears God, not man. Cindy, you prayed that this morning in the prayer room. Hmm. Bible says that the fear of man is actually a snare. It's a trap. Okay? It says that in Proverbs 29, 25. It says, the fear of man brings a snare, but one who trusts in the Lord will be protected. Will be protected. So we, we fear God. We don't fear man. Let's look at Acts chapter 12. Okay? Now we're going to read a pretty dynamic story. And I want you to jump into the story and I want you to think, how would you have felt if you had heard this news and this was happening if you were living in that time? Okay, just get your feet into the story for a minute here. It's pretty radical. This is a radical story. The Bible's full of radical stories to help you and me understand how radical a God we serve to help us be radical. And not just, you know, I'm sorry, Canadian Christian. Okay, Acts 12, verse 1. 
It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to, get, put to death with the sword. I, I know James. James is my brother. He was teaching us. <sighs> oh my goodness, what is going on? This is crazy. More persecution. This is extreme. He, did you know he was beheaded? Took his head off. Ay, ay, ay. When they saw this, when they saw that this met with approval, sorry, when, when Herod saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he seized Peter too. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. They just killed James. Now they have Peter in prison. They have brother Peter in prison. Well, you know this Herod, man, he is getting a lot of praise for what he's done. What about Peter? What's going to happen to Peter? Oh no, what's going to happen to Peter? We got to do something. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to, the, to be guarded by four, four squads of four soldiers each. That's 16, working around the clock. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover, this festival of unleaded bread, unleavened bread. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Earnest prayer. Crazy news. Interesting that it happened during the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, which celebrates literally the journey of Israel through the desert and the provision of God and how for 30 days they ate unleavened bread and then God in heaven rained manna down onto the ground to feed them the rest of the time they were out there. A, a time of remembering the provision, the supernatural provision of God in a dire, difficult, life-threatening situation. Perfect. Why is that right there? Why did it happen right there? Because this is the word of God. It's so completely woven together. So what does the church do? You work it out. How do you work it out? Well, as Philippians 2.12 says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Don't fear man, but fear God. And obedience will keep you obeying regardless. So when you fear God more than man, what you do is you pray earnestly. You go to the greatest authority, God in heaven, who loves it when you come boldly before his throne of grace in your time of need. Because James, the, the son of thunder, okay, who wouldn't keep his mouth shut, is executed. And Peter is lined up to be next. The church earnestly prays. Earnest here means strained, stretched out. It was a bit of a short period of time. But man, they went at it. We need to go at it. Do you hear me? We get a word from a prophet, it's clear, tested, proven, yes, or we get news, we have direction, we need to go at it. We need to go at it. Earnest, earnest, earnest. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him, talking about earnest prayer, anyone who comes to him believes that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. They mean it. We mean business with God. Literally, this should be our first response. Not, oh man, we're being sequestered. Oh man, we're being restricted. Oh man, our religious freedom is being robbed. Our first action is earnest prayer. Future church fears God more than man. And so they pray earnestly. Point number four, future church will experience supernatural provision and protection. It's in the story too. You, you church, you church, get to experience supernatural provision. You know, that food that's coming right now, thank you, God. That's from you. So therefore, that is supernatural provision for people. We're just like uh, this, the hands. It's just going through us. We're not even buying it. It's being given to us. That's how, be good to the poor. Let's go through you. Take care of people in addictions. Take care of people that are suffering. Be kind to people that are struggling. Watch it go through you. It's the principle of God. You reap what you sow. The future is going to experience supernatural provision protection. Let's face it. Miracles are happening that are off the chain. Miracles aren't chained. I'm glad you agree, Judy. I'm teasing. Listen, watch. Let's pick it up again in verse 6. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. Two soldiers, two chains. Sentries stood to guard the entrance, and suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. True story. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And the angel told him. Peter followed him out of prison. But watch this. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards. And they came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them. <laughs> Chains fell off. They go by guards. Okay, <laughs> the gate opens. They, I mean, they, okay, there they go. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Verse 11, then Peter came to himself, came, he was aware, and he said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. In other words, his death. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary and mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. They're still praying for him, right? They're afraid for him. They're praying to God instead of fearing what Herod could do, what Herod said he would do, what Herod has done. They prayed and they kept praying. They were there. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back with an opening and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. 
But Peter kept on knocking, and can you imagine? It's like, can you let me in already? It's like, I'm just kind of broken out of prison here. Hello? It's like, now would be a good time to let me in here. But Peter kept knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. I would be too. Peter motioned, and they were praying. So they were believing God for this, asking God for that. But miracles are astonishing. Thank you, God. He's out of prison. Yay, thank you for answering our prayer, Lord. He says, anyways, he motioned with his hand for them to really be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Here's what God did. And then he says, tell James and the other brothers and the sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. See, there's this short window of time. I mean, it's true. You'll read the next morning, uh, you know, Herod's got a pretty intense search going on. Like, there's some wisdom involved here. Get out of town. <laughs> but notice he left, he said, you make sure you tell. I just want you to stop there for a minute. You make sure you tell. You make sure you tell. This is what God just did for me. This is what just happened for us. This is how God provided in this situation. This is what God did. I don't have any pain anymore. Let's glorify God for his miracles. The future church, that's theirs. It's for them. It's supernatural provision for God, okay? It's interesting that it was not lawful for any execution to take place during the festival, and Herod prided himself on observing the Jewish laws, and God knew the perfect timing. God knew the perfect time, and the church prays in earnest, and God sends an angel, sends an angel. Do you think God uses angels today? Can he? Will he? Does he? I had a, um, oh, I had, a, I had my doorbell ring at one o'clock in the morning and I had a fellow show up. You know, you kind of like, kind of wake up a little bit interesting at one o'clock in the morning when your doorbell rings. It's a few years back. And I looked through the peak hole and, um, hmm, why are you standing here? Open my door. Is everything okay? I just need a safe place to be right now. And I just, I just thought of you, and I drove to your place, and when I drove up, I just saw angels all around your house. Now, I looked at his eyes, and they were the size of saucers, and I thought, now, you know, were you smoking crack, um, which you do often? And uh, so I, I thought to myself, um, okay, um, but I looked at him in the eyes and, and, he, and I said, yes, there are angels all around my house. I didn't have to even disagree with him. Even though I was a little suspicious, maybe he was seeing something he wasn't seeing, but who am I? Because I also know God puts angels around my house. I'm laying in bed when I'm on holidays. I'm away from our house. I say, God, thank you for your angels around about our house. Watch over all that is ours. I pray to God. I don't pray to no angel, that's for sure. But he does give his angels charge over us, and they are ministering spirits and to watch over things. God uses an angel right here. God still uses angels today, okay? And he will, and he does. We don't get to decide when and how. And sometimes when they happen, you know, we don't even know necessarily. We could be just like Peter, where it's like it seems like a dream in the moment. And uh, later on, it's like, oh, I'm not in jail now. You see how... Quite a few chapters back, you read how he had the vision of the sheep being let down, all that. It was in like, a, like an open vision that he just saw. God does this stuff. 
God does this stuff. It's supernatural provision is the point that I'm making. The future church can ask for supernatural provision and protection. You see, God's able. Any chains, physical, emotional, spiritual, that hold anyone back are an opportunity for the supernatural power of God if we so desire for them to be broken off. He's broken them off in my life. He can break them off in your life. I think this is the last point, point number five. Are you okay? Okay. Future church serves and worships the king of all kings. It says in the morning in verse 18, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. And just so you see how extreme this is, after Herod had, thorough, had, done a, had them do a thorough search made for him, they didn't find him. So he cross-examined the guards and he ordered that they be executed. That's 16 men that just died, 16 hardworking soldiers that just came off their night shift. We're talking a brutal, hating dictator, a selfish, evil man. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they now joined together quarreling and sought an audience with him. And after securing the sport of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. And on the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robe, sat on his throne, and he delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a god not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. Verse 24 says, but, but the word of God continued to spread and flourish. This was Herod, Agrippa the Great, the grandson of Herod, the great who died the same terrible death that you and I would not wish on our worst enemies. He died of being eaten by worms. He was not struck dead. He was died by being eaten by worms. Sorry for being so graphic. God's not mocked. Every leader, myself included, no matter who we are, whether we're a father leader in our home, whether we're a leader in the church, a leader in the community, a political leader, no authority is established except what God has established. We're in a, a big bag of trouble as a leader if we take praise and glory from God. God judged it right away of this man. That's why you need to pray for leaders. Pray for leaders. They don't get prideful and they don't get arrogant and we don't struggle with our own self-sufficiency and our own abilities. And you pray that for yourself. God is looking for us to be a humble peeper, people, people. <laughs> Regardless, I'm going to ask our worship band to come. I'm going to close. Leaders, leaders, political leaders, leaders of any sort, they can intimidate and threaten. But who's in charge? Who's ultimately in charge? You see, today the problem isn't politicians. Ever since 
mankind said to God, give us a king, it's humans that have been a problem. But it's not people that are the problem. It's the love of money, which is the root of all evil. It's greed. It's sin in the hearts of leaders that is the problem. The biggest barrier in believing that you are, cha- that, that you are changed, chained by anything in this lifetime is believing that you are chained. Chained by political leaders that you will trust all that is said. Bible says you pray for them. If you need to, pray in earnest for them. Their hand, they are in the hand of God. Whether they step into the hand of God or not, myself included, your prime minister, your premier, your mayor, whoever they are, no authority is established except what God has established. And God, you can count on that he works in everything for those that trust him, right? He works in all. He works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We need to not be chained by things that bring division among us around opinion on these things speculation and arguments that don't bring us any fruit. My wife and I actually give you a piece of advice. What we say today, and I'm not telling you yes or no either way, but I'll tell you something. We made a decision because we have random strangers come up to us and say, oh, I just had, I just had my vaccine. I'm going to get my other vaccine. Have you been vaccinated? And we say, well, actually, you know what? That's awesome. My wife and I have decided not to say if we have or if we haven't because we really highly respect those that have and we really highly respect those that haven't. And you know what? We are now going to be, we're going to really be committed to being contributors to unity in our community and contributors to unity in society. And there's so many things that are happening right now that need us to actually be openly communicating with one another about what we think without taking offense and actually seeking unity together and having a, having a conversation and then instead of making a point of separation, we need to be wise. The Bible says we're to be wise as serpent, as, as gentle as doves. Some of the biggest barrier for you and I sometimes is our obedience or the biggest barrier can be our surrender to God. You as a church, I say this to you as you move forward from today, You are off the chain. You are off the chain. You are off the chain. You will be scattered and are being scattered in a variety of different ways to be on purposeful mission. Protect yourself that it's not by division, but be earnestly in prayer. Be prophetically directed. Don't disregard that. Fear God, not man. Experience supernatural provision because it's for you and ask for it. And obedience to Jesus, be in obedience to Jesus, the king over all kings. The challenge today as I close would be for you and I as personally in relationship with God to identify any holdback, say it, in me. Any holdback in me. Am I inadvertently 
chaining the power of God in my life. Inadvertently chaining the power of God's word in my life. Remember the barrier is obedience. Disobedience is a barrier. The lack of obedience, the lack of surrender, the lack of humility. Those things hold us back, maybe in some cases inadvertently, but we are more than that. Special people who have the spirit within them, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, God's right ways. That Lord, you would show me me in the mirror when I read your word and I read your word so it'll show me me in the mirror. I can repent. I can turn from my wicked way. I can repent of my sin, me, me. Individually, I don't answer for your sin. You answer for your sin. So you, before God, even today as we close, today as we close, if there's any physical, emotional, spiritual chains that you are aware of, as you sit here under the, in the presence of God and the Holy Spirit has just kind of been brooding over you today, showing you things, showing you and I maybe what holds us back. In Jesus' name, let him do that. Thank you so much. I'll say this. I'll say this. Do you know in this audience today, there are people who I know, I'm not prophesying here, who I know, and God has gifted you. He's gifted you in the area of writing, He's gifted you in the area of articulating in speech on a level of connection with political people, leadership groups. And God wants you to know today, don't back down from that, okay? Don't back down from that. What you have, I put in you. That I say by the Spirit. God showed me this as I was praying for today. Every single gift that he distributes in the body of Christ is critical, critical in the journey of the fulfillment of his purpose, his mission in the last days. We all have a purpose. You have influence with people that other people don't have influence with. You have been given party with individuals that I don't have party with. You have been given an access point into communicating with individuals that many people don't have here today. You have the Spirit of God upon you and God works in you and speaks to you by the Spirit and you have clarity from Him to direct you and to also help people. Do you, with that on you, need discipleship in that from the elders of your church? Absolutely. My goodness, I need that. We all need that. Every one of our elders need that. You need that. We're here to help with that. I'm excited. 
I know people in this congregation, it blows me away the things that God has placed upon them to do. And he forms us together like this, this off-the-chain army. Off-the-chain. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to learn. I'm going to be submitted. i, I got to protect my own heart, my own self. And I'm obedient to God. Some of you relate to this. I want to have you stand. Would you stand up, please? Stand up, please. Don't want to stand? Are you okay? Why don't you let God make a big deal about it inside of you? We're not, I'm you, I'm, I have a role, I'm a pastor, I am, I am your equal. I'm not any better, I'm your servant. If God is speaking to you to make a stand or to activate gifting in your life passionately. Maybe you've lost passion. No criticism. I get it. You want to you wanna say to God today, I'm just going to come to the altar here. We're just going to pray. God has is, God is bumped me up today to say, come on, let's go. It's on me. Some of you, it's writing. Some of you, it's talking to certain people. Some of you, it's prophesying. Some of you, it's leading other individuals. Some of you, it's special meetings with individuals. There's things that God has placed in your heart. I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to make it, if you want to, no pressure. I want you to make a big deal about it and come up here. It's just like, well, you know, people see me, see my back come up there. Well, who are you? Yeah, the devil says, who are you? And you say, I'm God's kid. I'm God's kid. You know, Bill, I look at you. You've, you have preached the gospel to more people than anybody that I know, honestly. And you keep doing that. That's good. That word isn't chained in those lives. It's not. Wow. What a neat, what a glorious thing. That's different than me or other people in this room. But that's powerful. Is anybody willing to say, hey, I'm going to come up here and let pastor pray because I want to step, I want to, I want to do it. I want to, I want to make a big deal before God today about my obedience. For some, it may be a decision, I'm going to go talk to that person. It may be any one of those points that I made today. You say, well, pastor, you're making it too simple. Yeah, maybe I am. But those are beginning steps in some cases, which we've all had. So come on up. I want you to sing, sing, sing this song. You come, and then we'll pray. You know what, you're, what God has on you. You know what God has asked you to do. You come and say, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to believe that there's going to be supernatural provision in my decision 
today. I was, I was initially, I wasn't afraid of God's calling on my life, but I was afraid of some of the things that it required me to do, <laughs> honestly, okay? Anybody here, you just wanna, we're gonna sing, okay? So why don't you go ahead and sing, and then, and then we'll close in prayer, okay? We're not gonna lay hands on you, we're just gonna let you come. Whatever it is that you come for today, just let God lay his hand on you.